Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uptime Punks. Uh, today we will talk about the rare earth materials um, and why they are important for the IT and especially the data center space. You may have seen some headlines recently and I thought it is time to bust some myths around this and common misconceptions. Uh, fun thing, I myself and uh, my co-host Paul, who is absent today, we had a lot of misconceptions and were therefore happy to have Kirill Mugerman, the CEO of uh, Geomega Resources, who is a uh, rev uh, processing and recycling company, uh, on air today with us. And Kirill will explain us what rare earth materials are, bust some myth around that, and then also touch on the subject of circular economy and maybe even some geopolitical aspects. Um, yeah, over to our guest, Kirill. Good to have you on the podcast. How are you today? Hi, team. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me here. Excellent. Kirill, would you, would you like to explain um, what your current role contains, what you do every day, what's your, what's your mission? Yeah, uh, so I'm presidency of Geomega Resources, as you mentioned. Uh, we are a publicly listed company on the Toronto Stock Exchange, uh, on the on the venture Toronto Stock Exchange, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, as uh, part of our company, uh, we are developing processing technologies for rare earths and other strategic strategic and critical metals. Uh, yeah. We are developing the first rare earth recycling plant uh, outside of Ch- uh, outside of Asia. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very important, and we'll discuss that later today. And mm-hmm. beside that, we are looking at uh, always creating a better technology for extracting metals, because metals extraction, uh, whether it's from a mine or uh, or from a waste, uh, is often uh, associated with a lot of environmental problems, uh, because there are acids involved and other chemicals. And then there's waste, uh, both liquid and solid, accumulated, and nobody wants to see that. So we are always trying to improve processes and modernize them uh, using the technology that we have to make a better uh, circular economy, to make a better uh, environmental process uh, where less material uh, is being dumped in waste, and instead we can recover more metals to avoid additional uh, mining. Okay, yeah, that that sounds like a huge task. But you know, let's let's just get this one out of the way. Um, can we define what rare earth materials, magnets are? Um, because I think people often hear about those, and people maybe even have an idea what it is. You know, they think they're in mobile phones. They're very important to IT. But can we just just, yeah, get some definition down that we can work with for the rest of the podcast. Yep. What, so what, what, yeah. rare earth elements are a group of 17 elements. Uh, really, it's 15 plus two. Uh, they're called the lanthanides. They're at the bottom of the periodic table. And what's rare about them and what's important about them is um, if you look at a periodic table, every element moves from left to right. And as you have more numbers set up, you have another element. And they all have their own square. Uh, the, uh, the, the rare earth elements all sit in the same square. So you have 15 elements taking one square. That's why they are in a separate part of the periodic table. They're almost like a zoom box of uh, one square on the periodic table. 
And uh, they're, because they are all sitting in the same place, that means a lot of uh, their, let's talk chemistry for a second, but uh, uh, your uh, outside electrons are all the same. So there is a difference in number of electrons, but on the inner shells, but the, your actual outside shell remains the same always. And everything that we do in traditional processing and separations, everything revolves around the electrochemical uh, and other uh, properties, which are defined by the number of electrons outside. So it's uh, whether you have one, two, three, four, five, six, or eight electrons in the outside shell will make something different about this material versus the other one, and suddenly you can separate them. Rare elements are all the same in the outside shell, so it makes them very hard to separate. And uh, that's as deep as I'll go in chemistry. Um, but uh, because of this, those errors are all identical, basically, or very, very similar. And your traditional methods of separating metals and forcing them to precipitate one from each other just does not work. So to separate them, you use solvent extraction. Solvent extraction ends up being very uh, complicated process. So because of the way it's been developed and ran over the years, if it's not done properly, ends up producing a lot of uh, extra chemicals, uh, organics, and other uh, acids that have to be disposed of, which nobody wants to see large parts, uh, large portions of waste. But another problem with rares is actually just extracting them, just extracting rares from mines. And I think you guys all seen pictures on BBC and other reports of huge, ugly brown lakes and uh, multicolor lakes in uh, in China and in Asia. So that waste actually comes out from the mining portion of it, from mining and just extracting them. Uh, so there are two different types of waste. One is from mining rares because there is very little in the mine. So you're basically processing huge amounts of rock for a very small percentage of rare earths. Um, so that produces a large portion of first waste. And then the second waste is really the chemical waste coming out from your solvent extraction. So what we are what we are trying to do is to have an industry uh, that's using our technology that mo uh, that uses as many metals as possible from your mine instead of just going after that one two percent which are rares and everything else goes into a big waste pile. That's the processing part, right? That's the processing. So we call it extraction and separation because you have to extract first those rares from the rock. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you crush, grind, you float, you then do chemical leaching and this and that, and you end up with just rare earth concentrate. And then, so that produces your first big waste. And then the sec, uh, which is your mining waste. And then you have to go and take the rare earth concentrate and separate them. And those are those 15 elements that I mentioned to you. They are so close, so similar to each other. And then you have to separate them. Uh, one by one in order to make the usable elements. And then in terms of rares, now that I try to define rares and let me know if you want more information, but the main usages of rares will vary. So 50 years ago, we were using rares because we wanted to have a color to television, right? And so we were using uh, like europium, we were using um, terbium and yttrium for our uh, red, green and blue. And uh, so uh, a lot of your listeners are tech savvy, so they like this because, uh, oh, okay, that's how we were creating uh, color televisions, and uh, so uh, rares were very important for it. Now those, especially, let's say, European and yttrium, have almost no markets. Why? Because 
uh, what I think 10, 20 years ago, we replaced uh, uh, the television with LEDs. So mm-hmm. everything that is LED driven is basically re- re- replacing the old phosphor powders, which were made with those three elements that I mentioned. And yeah. uh, now you're using a fraction of this. You're still using the same three elements, but at a fraction of the previous uh, uh, usage. So, so it's become more efficient in some terms. Or it's becoming more efficient, exactly. So is it? Uh, so are those rares not not needed anymore? No, you still need them for some other applications. Uh, you mm-hmm. still need yttrium for lasers and uh, and uh, many other applications, but lasers just jumps in my mind right now. Um, but uh, by itself, the usage in in phosphor powders for uh, for either the lights or the TVs, obviously, is not used as much. So I just okay. Yeah. So other applications of uh, of rares, for example, changed, and neodymium and praseodymium are now more used in magnets versus in the past. It was used for other applications, and magnets were not designed. Not uh, rare magnets were not developed until the 80s. And their main applications really started in the 90s and the 2000s. And magnets are now used in, I don't know, uh, almost uh, every single electric motor. Uh, your power tools are now using uh, earth magnets. Our hard drives, um, let's, let's talk about hard drives, for example. Uh, when I was first using, my first computer was a 436. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't well, even need to ask you that question. You did. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I think my uh, my hard drive at the time was uh, uh, was it uh, was two hundred megabytes or uh, four hundred? I think I had yeah. four hundred megabytes hard drive. And I mean, uh, things changed. And one of the reasons that that changed is because when the magnet started entering the hard drive space, uh, magnet is what controls uh, the needle that reads from your disk, right? And we are talking about the HDDs. And mm-hmm. when we started putting a better magnet, a stronger magnet, we were able to control that needle more. And because you're able to control that needle more, you can uh, read uh, read and write much tighter uh, on the same, mm-hmm. on that wafer or disk, whatever they call it. Um, so that improved uh, our technology and um, that's a very good application that is still being used today. And we can talk about data centers later, but data centers are, it's hard to get a clear information from the data center industry of uh, what percentage of HDDs versus SDDs they're using, uh, SSDs, sorry. And, uh, but the, of course the HDD is much cheaper uh, the, to produce uh, rather than the SSD. And that magnet is a very important portion of it. And uh, obviously, we know that in data centers and the cloud computing that everything is run on today, uh, it's there's a lot of data redundancy, so there's a lot of backups, and there's to make sure that nothing crashes, nothing fails. So because of that, magnets are very important there. Now, that's a very small application, but they, there's even a smaller application. Uh, you're using headphones right now. I'm using headphones right now. Uh, I can guarantee you that those headphones are uh, using rare earth magnets. If you were to go 15 years ago, your headphones would be, eh, you know, the sound would be as if you're in an aluminum can, unless you spent yeah. like a couple of hundred dollars on your on your headphones. Now you can yeah. buy headphones for 20 bucks and they work perfectly. Excellent. And the, 
And the difference is because now they're using a rare earth magnet instead of a ferrite magnet. And ferrite magnet was just not as strong and not as good. Same thing for cars. In the cars, uh, when you bought a car in the 90s, uh, your speakers were so-so and everybody wanted to invest in a better speaker system and a better audio system. And it was all because you had bad quality speakers mm. originally with the car. But when what they about mobile phones, what about what, what about mobile phones? Did they, when, mobile when, you, phone. when you had your yeah. first mobile phone, did they use rare earth material already? No, they did not use rare earth material in the first phone. So uh, I had a poof, an old little Nokia uh, as my one first phone. One of those indestructible thirty three yeah. series ones. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I still have it lying down in my garage. My kids sometimes play with it. Uh, that's how indestructible it is. Uh, but my dad before that, uh, I remember he had, uh, well, we were living in, in Europe and uh, we had one of those original bricks. Because, I mean, North America was like, I don't know, five, ten years behind cell phones. So when it started arriving here, they were already better. But kind of kind of like the intermediate brick uh, that my dad was using, I was like, yeah, that's huge. And uh, and the reason uh, I can tell you was not using rare earth magnets is because the magnet one of the things that it does is it it's within that uh, vibration motor so what allows your uh, phone to vibrate and if you think mm -hmm. even to the early phones that were arriving in North America in 2002 2003 yeah it, 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 there wasn't that much vibration to it and uh, as the phones get more efficient and now I mean phone can be lying on the second floor and uh, I'll I'll feel the vibration throughout the house, you know. Uh, there's this that always goes through and that is from the magnet. And look, there are other applications for the magnet within the phone, but uh, that vibration mo uh, motor is, uh, is one of the important ones. And again, those magnets are used in tiny little quantities. I think a, in an iPhone or in a Samsung, if you're using more than 10 grams of a magnet, that'd be surprised, honestly. In grams. Uh, in grams, yeah. It's tiny. So can you say that, oh, well, it's not that important. It's only 5, 10 grams. No, uh, you can't say that because if you remove those 5, 10 grams and you replace them with a bunch of ferrite magnets, your, mag your, your phone will suddenly get bigger. Mm -hmm. right? And it's all about miniaturization. We want to make all our technology smaller. And for that, you need those critical rare earth metals and uh, rare earth magnets. Mm. So, so, as I see it, maybe there is kind of a conflict of goals or interests here, because on the one hand, they allow us to make technology more efficient and, and smaller, which is potentially good for, you know, you use less resources. If your yep. smartphone is smaller, you use less glass, less plastic, less other material to build it. However, the extraction of those uh, materials and the processing, as you as you just explained in the beginning, is kind of still wasteful or can be wasteful and problematic. So, would you agree that there is kind of a tension in here, in in, in these opposing things? You know, on the one hand, being able to make stuff more efficient and maybe even more energy efficient. I don't know about that, but on the other hand. Um, the increased use of it being, you know, producing waste. Not to talk about, I don't know about, <laughs> that's a third point, uh, not to talk about the, 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 the carbon um, uh, output of, of all these processes, right? 
So what was yeah. your take on that? Well, look, I think it's just part of evolution uh, in general. Uh, yes, you're using metals. Now as you're using them more, it's natural to start improving the methods. Because those methods that were developed in the 60s and, and the 70s, yeah, they're probably less efficient than some of the metals, uh, some of the processes that could be developed now. But in terms of uh, greenhouse gases, for example, in cars, before we even talk about the electric car, uh, mm-hmm. when they started switching all cars to speakers with, um, with permanent magnets, you dropped several kilograms of weight per car. Your, spe- mm-hmm. your speakers are smaller. But mm. as well, uh, as well, they're stronger. Mm. And that, and the fact that they're smaller drops, uh, weight from your car. And a few kilograms of savings per car, uh, per car makes mm. a big difference in terms of its uh, lifetime and the mileage that it's going to do. So it mm. energy uh, becomes more, uh, efficient. So mm. you're using less, uh, petroleum fuel. for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, less fuel. And of course, uh, because of that, you get less greenhouse gases. And uh, look at the electric vehicle. Um, an electric vehicle, if you were not to use rare earth magnets and you were to use an induction motor uh, with a lot of copper, uh, so you have to mine much more copper, and the vehicle is much heavier, so you need a much bigger battery. Mm-hmm. In the battery industry, we have the exact same situation, and I don't want to talk uh, to touch on much on the lithium industry today. But uh, we have to produce much more lithium than we used to in, in the past because the lithium-ion battery was discovered and de- de- developed. And uh, now it's a common, uh, common application everywhere. Uh, but if you did not have an efficient motor, and that's honestly, uh, like, you, you wanted to talk about misconceptions. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, for me, the, the, the battery versus the motor is an important subject to touch on because... Everybody says, oh, okay, well, we need more batteries, we need more batteries, we need more batteries. Mm-hmm. Okay, but if you do not improve your motor in an electric vehicle, well, you need even much more battery. Because if your motor is not as efficient as it is with rare earth magnets, mm-hmm. your battery will have to be twice the size, and twice the size, suddenly the car is much bigger and heavier, and then it just cannot do the same mileage that we are seeing electric vehicles are doing today. So improvements do happen on both sides. So it's it's, uh, it's merely space and, and and mass that you save, right? Correct. Yes. And by that, other efficiency um, uh, results such as correct. You know, okay. Okay. And the other thing, the the difference in uh, you, you said like okay, they are small, but we need to extract metals and it produces waste uh, or or pollution. But we do have to remember that. It's rare earths are, let's say, fairly young new industry. They are what in its second big phase of uh, of application, and the industries did not have a chance yet to improve and develop properly. I think what you'll see over the next 10, 20 years, there will be better, and hopefully, what we are putting into production will demonstrate that that things can improve with time, and the, the new efficient processes will uh, make a positive impact on this and you will not have those uh, uh, that that pollution pol- pollution that previously was associated with mining and producing rare earth elements it's mm-hmm. just one thing uh, because that now we can actually move over to you know why is it important to have it in in not 
well, in, in, in the Americas or in Europe mm-hmm. rather than in Asia. But maybe before that, you, you mentioned batteries and lithium. Um, what is lithium? Is it a rare earth? Absolutely well? not. No, Absolutely not. No, okay. uh, because the name rare earth, some, so p- some people think, okay, rare earth elements are, it's a, every metal that is not copper, cobalt, or whatever has to be a rare, rare earth. No, rare mm-hmm. earths are specifically defined as the, the chemical term for them is lanthanides. So that group of 15 elements, that separate line on the periodic table, those are rare earth elements. Lanthanides are rare earth elements. If it's not part of those 15, it's not rare earth. Some people so say, yeah. yeah. So you don't deal with lithium? No, we don't deal with lithium. Lithium is uh, super abundant, uh, super abundant. Uh, it's found in many different type of deposits, has nothing to do with rare earth elements. Lithium is um, a separate element by itself. Okay, okay, all right. So you've, you've mentioned um, that you've mentioned that it's the first uh, not Asian um, uh, recycling com- plant. Yeah, recycling plant of that kind in Canada, right? So Correct. Why is that important? How? Because we, we, we've seen the headlines about rare earth and the ge- geopolitical importance, but I'll, I'll maybe let you outline that for the, for the audience to explain, uh, yeah, what, what are some of the, you know, problematics when it comes to rare earth and geopolitics? Yeah. yeah, so look, rare earths by themselves, yes, uh, they have their, their name rare earths, and again, because of Originally, they were not able to see them separately because they were all stuck together. So everybody thought that they were rare, but they understood with time that they're just all stuck together. Now, because of that, we are able to find a lot of occurrences, a lot of mines, or not mines, deposits, where those rares are present. The way it happened, some of the better rare deposits, uh, they, uh, they were well known. And one of them uh, is in China in a project called Bayanoba. And it's a very large mine. And it basically was an iron ore mine. Uh, And that iron ore mine was producing rares as a byproduct. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of moved towards that with years uh, that all the rare earth mining migrated toward China. Nobody wanted to deal with the extra pollution uh, because of, as I mentioned, the solvent extraction process. Nobody really wanted to deal with it. Uh, okay, let's let's leave it in China and whatever. Nobody really needs it. It's it's so so important. But uh, as technology progressed and we saw that it was much more important, suddenly then everybody woke up and said, "Wait a second, So now it's all in China." And China took a lot of pride in developing rare uh, resources, uh, rare technologies, uh, the uh, separation facilities, the processing facilities. So it's all in China with very little outside of China. Uh, and now China is encouraging the rest of the world to mine even more, but produce a concentrate and ship the concentrate to China because that's where they want to do the, uh, the, the, the additional steps in purifying it, separating it, and then putting it into the magnets, putting it into the cell phones, into the laptops, the computers. I imagine, I imagine that's where the most money is, right? In the, in the, in the, in the added value chain. Yes. That's uh, that where the most money is in it. Exactly. The more you go up the added value chain, and that's where more money is. Yes, there is mine to be made directly at the mine, but 
as a, uh, so that's why there was a big move towards vertically integrating the, that industry because a company that does everything from A to Z uh, has much more advantages. And in China, that's what we actually see. And so, so really, right now, the mining portion, China is is mining much less than it used to. I think China was dominating it around 90% of the rares were mined in China, and 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 probably around 95% were processed in China. Today. I think the most recent numbers that we're seeing, China is uh, mining around 60% of the world uh, rare earth uh, deposits, uh, rare earths, and uh, but they're still processing well over 90%, and so which means the actual final product are still stuck in China, and mm -hmm. that's what it's very important to, uh, to 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 try and get more independence. There is nothing wrong with China producing them, but it's much safer for the mm. geo, geo, uh, from a geopolitical point of view, much more stable to have supply of those metals uh, in other places. But mm. now, what happened was not only that China, like, let's talk about the COVID situation, uh, pandemic in the last uh, whatever year plus, when they needed to build the ventilators, uh, I think it was Siemens that came out in one of the articles, they were not able to complete building their ventilators because they were missing the magnets because everything was backordered from China. Uh, they could not uh, find uh, the, the right magnets, the right size and shape and characteristic to finish build, building their ventilators. Why? Because it had to come from China. So it's so sad that, uh, yes, for everything else is, was being built, I, I think, somewhere in, in Europe, and just the magnet was, was missing. Mm -hmm. So that's just to highlight how important those are. Yeah, you can do everything else, but unless you have that final little piece, you are stuck. So you, it, it's important to be able to develop more magnet factories uh, outside of uh, China and outside of Asia uh, to be able to develop uh, the metal factories. Like right now, I think there is basically only one factory in Europe that produces uh, rare earth uh, alloys and rare earth uh, steel. Mm -hmm. And basically one magnet plant that produces that in Europe as well. Beside that, there is no one else. Uh, it's all in Asia. And same thing for recycling. So right now, think of it like this. Magnets are going up in consumption every year. Mm. Huge amount. Uh, uh, well, a huge percentage of increases. And uh, because by themselves, they're used in very small quantities. And like one day I did a calculation of, uh, think of every headphone using less than, less than, uh, I think it's less than a gram of rare earth magnet because it's tiny little headphones. And, but you multiply it times the huge amount of rare earth magnets. Headphones, old, yeah. uh, uh, headphones uh, uh, that are bought and produced every year. It's, it's, it adds up. And then the problem is those magnets are very hard to make. They have very special shapes and it all either pressed close to the shape or machined down to that final shape. So there's a lot of waste during the production. So currently in Asia, uh, that waste is being processed, but using uh, is being processed using solvent extraction again, the uh, same method as in the mining industry uh, that is based on hydrochloric acid. And uh, what we've developed is a different technology that does not use hydrochloric acid. And uh, we've developed it, scaled it up gradually in two different pilot plants, and now we are putting the first plant in Montreal, Quebec, uh, to recycle rivers out of the magnet without using those uh, uh, chemicals that are, after that, uh, hard to recycle. 
So instead, we are actually recycling over 90% of the reagents that we, uh, that we are using to process, and as well the iron. Because you think about the magnet, really it's 30% rarer, 70% iron, as a yeah. give or take. 70% iron, if I was to recycle just my magnet, I have to do something with that iron. And that, but I don't, the old mentality would say like, okay, let's leach it uh, and just dump the acid and the iron and neutralize it and it sits there in the tailings uh, uh, pond. We don't want this. And that's where the world needs to change. We can't just say, well, this metal is hard to recover. We don't, we can't recover it. So let's just dump it. And, uh, and that's it. So, uh, the main objective is for us is not only to produce uh, the neodymium procedinium that comes out from the rare earth magnets, but as well to produce an iron byproduct instead of having it go to the landfills and to reuse as much as possible of those reagents. And that's how you can sustainably close your rare loop. Mm. So would, who would have thought actually that iron is, as I see it at least, kind of playing a crucial role here because you're not only uh, omitting to put iron and, 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 and those agents back into nature, but you also have some iron that you sit on that you, I guess, need to do something with that, you know, yep. makes money. So what, what is that? Who wants iron? Who buys iron at the moment? What, what do you do with it? Iron, the idea with iron is it goes to, to the smelters where they produce, uh, uh, where they produce steel. Um, and that's, so there is always usage for iron. And mm. when you recycle rare earth magnets, it's not such a huge volume of iron, but it's mm. still important to consider it. It's not a huge portion of the revenue for, uh, for the company once we start production. But if you do keep it in storage, there is a cost to storing to maintaining a waste facility. So for us to be able to ship it off, to sell it uh, uh, back into the, the iron industry, to the steel industry, that is very advantageous. And mm. and the whole aspect of our technology is actually, iron is a very important uh, contributor because iron is present in almost all deposits and in almost all kinds of waste. And iron is a prohibitor to go and attack your rare earth elements and other critical metals. Um, so because of that, iron is, because iron is always in your way, it's going to consume all your assets and it's after that you have to, to deal with the, with the waste. Our process, we actually, we actually enjoy finding materials, waste products. Uh, so we recently started working with bauxite residues. Um, uh, well, no, we started working with, we recently announced that um, so bauxite residues is the waste produced from producing alumina. And mm -hmm. so the, the alumina industry is very important, uh, both in IT and uh, um, uh, uh, transportation. But when you produce alumina, I think it's, uh, I think the ratio is for uh, one ton of alumina, you produce 1.5 tons of bauxite residue. And mm -hmm. we, we enjoy this material a lot because, again, it has a lot of iron. And mm -hmm. our technology specializes in selectively, uh, well, selectively going after their, the, the iron in such a way that I can get the iron out first, recover it as a, as a product and reuse my reagents. And then after that, I go after the rarers and whatever else is found there. 
So in boxer residue, for example, there is rarers and there is scandium. So scandium, it's not a real rarers. It's not really part of the lanthanides, but it's just mm -hmm. found just above it uh, in the periodic table. So it's it's treated very similar to rarers. And um, and again, it's the uh, the fact that we are able to use an innovative technology to extract those critical and strategic metals, rarers, rarest elements, in a much better way, and at the same time recover other metals. The old way was always just focus on that, and it's too complicated. We can't recycle it, so we just dump it in big waste piles. But we don't want waste piles. The idea is to remove them and make them smaller and reuse and utilize as much of the metals possible within that material. So how far are we from, you know, I, I hold up my mobile phone, but how far are we from an economy where this phone, when it gets stitched, will be 100% recycled, including the, including the rare earth materials inside it? Yeah, uh, that's still hard to say because, um, E-waste recycling is driven today by gold. Mm -hmm. If they're uh, gold and copper, okay. okay. If, is it because they are the highest priced, or is it is there not? What, what's the what's the reason? Uh, yes. So so they they hold the most value in a small unit. Okay. Right. So so recycle. If you go after recycling their earth magnet in there, you won't get enough dollars for the effort of so think of uh, e-waste recycling you crush it you then run it through a large recycling factory where everything is sorted using many different sorters into uh, different bins so this bin will have alumina uh, and this one uh, aluminum and then the other one will have steel and the other one will have iron uh, uh, sorry cop even. copper plastic exactly and so all those things, and then you go after the portions that, okay, there is more gold in here. So that the bin where the gold would be would bring you the most value. Mm -hmm. uh, much more than the bin where you'll have the plastic. Nobody really pays you much for waste plastic. So it's uh, our industry, our recycling industry is not that efficient today, I would say, uh, for e-waste. So I can't tell you really about the phone. Uh, yes, there is a lot of uh, push for recycling more and more, but there are so many different elements and it's so small and such small amounts in your phone that it's hard to imagine and a super efficient process where everything will be recycled. To get the magnets recycled, I think you will start seeing more and more magnets from, uh, uh, e-phone, uh, from e-waste and phones getting recycled. We are working on e-waste materials as well. Uh, we know that right now, Apple, I think, uh, it's been for a few years, they've been talking, uh, uh, announcing uh, in their press releases that, uh, and in their environmental studies, that they're using recycled magnets, and uh, which is great. Uh, but Apple is mostly based in China, and of course, because rare recycling is, uh, is very active in China, 30% of rares in China are produced from recycling. So, but it is possible, right? It is possible to get everything out of here and, and do it. It's just not economic. So I would say yes. That's why I think, uh, again, let's go to, to, to the Apple and their example. I think they've developed a few robots over the years where they take apart the phones into very small components. So if mm. everything becomes uh, through robotics separated uh, into components, then it's much easier to, uh, to, to recycle them. 
because when you crush everything and you grind everything, then you are down to very complex uh, methods to make them separate. But if you have a robot that separates all the electronics and much easier to take them apart and mm. yeah, separate recycling will be more efficient as well. But in China, they are, when they, when we say in China, they recycle 30% of the waste, uh, or, or sorry, 30% of errors are being recycled. It's because they're recycling it from manufacturing waste. So during the process of where, of when they make the magnets, as I mentioned earlier, you yeah. quite often have to polish your magnets down to the final yeah. shape. They don't, they don't come in a, a cylinder. They, they don't come in a, in a like powder form, it, perhaps like, yeah. Well, no. So, so it comes in a powder form, but you make bricks and then you cut those bricks into the final shapes. And if you use the different forms of magnets where they actually can go into a final form by pressing, the magnets are weaker. So it's not the same. And, uh, but the real magnets, the super strong magnets that go into your, uh, into your electric vehicle or into your wind turbine, they are made uh, in such a way that you have big bricks and then you cut those bricks into the final shapes. And all this cutting and polishing, and imagine if you have, have a hole in the center, you have to cut it out. So all those things are waste, and then that waste can be recycled. So it's part of the things that we are looking to recycle as well. It's not only end-of-life electronics or mm-hmm. end-of-life magnets. It's as well waste from manufacturing processes. Mm-hmm. So on average, every plant will produce 25% waste. For every one wow. ton... Yeah. For every one ton of magnet produced, it will produce 250 kilograms of, uh, of waste. For every one pound, it will produce 250 kilograms of waste in the manufacturing process alone? Or? For, in the manufacturing process, for every one ton, yeah. one ton of magnet ah. will produce 250 kilograms of magnet waste. Okay, yeah, that's another proportion. I, I, I heard one pound, so I was like, oh, okay, no, no. sorry, no, no, one ton. Okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's still, it's still, it's still an impress. Yeah, it's still a proportion though. Um, if 100, yeah, how much percentage is that? Anyways. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but I get, I get the thing. So one, you have one ton and then you take a quarter out of that and that's wasted, more or less. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Give or take. So that needs uh, to be responsible. And and that's very important to recycle it, and that makes yeah. much more efficient processing. So you have you have the step of mining, but you guys come in and 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 try to reduce the waste in mining. You guys come in in the manufacturing process as well. Yep. And you even have started, you said, um, recycling on the e-waste bit, like on the yep. end of life. Yep. Great. Okay. So that's what circular economy looks like to me, and I think Absolutely. it's a great start. Um, I think we, we, are, we are running out of time. There's definitely more to cover here, Kirill, but uh, thanks for giving us this overview. For everyone interested in getting uh, deeper into the subject, please do reach out to Kirill. Um, we'll link him and his company in the description uh, and on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, Kirill, if there's something we forgot and something really essential you want to get out to the next generation, as we like to say, then you can do so now, the last world uh, belongs to you. Excellent. Look, uh, Tim, thank you very much for having me here. I would say the focus is improving processing technologies. Uh, there are m- many improvements that were made over the last 50 years to the gold industry. Gold, uh, because everybody is driven by gold, so lots of new technologies and improvements were made. But when it comes to those industrial minerals that we need more and more now, 
as technology advances, not enough work has been done. And that's exactly what we are doing. And I think there is a lot of space for growth and processing technologies will be much more efficient in the future. I think the more we think in that direction, the better the uh, the, the mining industry and the industry the and, and manufacturing industry will become and there will be less waste in the future excellent thank you very much Kirill and yeah see you next time when we go even deeper into the subject and when we uh, yeah when you have recycled your first 100 mobile phones you can give me a ring and talk about that <laughs> all right excellent cool. thank you Tim thanks everyone I'm